0: Welcome to the East Career Cast, brought to you from the East Section of Career Development. I am Jamie Coleman from Indiana University. In this session, we are pleased to have Dr. Joe Debose here with us to discuss multi-center trials, the whys and the hows. Dr. Debose is an Associate Professor of Surgery at the Uniformed Services University of the Health Sciences, currently in transition to a new assignment with the United States Air Force to David Grant Medical Center at Travis Air Force Base. Dr. DuBose has been an active member of EAST since 2009 and currently serves on the board of directors and as the chair of the research division, which includes both the multi-center trials and research scholarship sections. Dr. DuBose, thank you for your time and sitting down with us today.
1: Thank you, Jim. Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. And to start off, why are multi-center trials important, and why should our listeners consider participating in them?
1: Well, you know, I think in the modern era, for, uh, there's a number of reasons why multi-center trials are important. Uh, one of, one of those is funding issues. Uh, you know, we have to crowdsource as much as possible to answer the challenging questions that present us on a daily basis. Um, but I also think that they create a spirit of collaboration, which really brings us as a trauma community closer together to really answer some of the questions that trouble us every day.
0: And, you know, I've always believed it's easier to commit to something that you believe in. And it's always easier to believe in something that's your own idea. So how do you recruit and then gain commitment to projects that aren't necessarily their own? I mean, you're asking other people, you know, to work and put sweat equity in on something that's really not their idea.
1: Absolutely. I think there's a couple of reasons people uh, participate. Hopefully the question you're answering is at least interesting enough. That even if it's not your own idea, it's something that you're interested to see what the answer is, and it pertains to your practice and will make an impact in your daily practice. Um, I think that spirit of collaboration. The best results I've gotten have been amongst friends, um, or, you know, and friends I've met through East and and a growing number of individuals who I've developed great relationships with doing these multi-center studies, and you know, I, if we help each other out. So I may not be exceedingly interested in a specific topic, but I'm vested enough to say, well, this is a small number. Perhaps this is a rare entity that you don't have enough for number one institution to really examine adequately, but I, I, you know, with a little bit of work, I can help someone out, and they in turn, when I have an idea that I want to pursue, uh, can help me out. So I think that spirit of collaboration, it, you know, you pay for it a little bit in some instances, but it always comes back as uh, payback in terms of collaboration on things that you want to look at.
0: And then, can you tell us a little bit about how you became involved with your 1st multicenter trial?
1: Well, um, you know, I, I think, I think I you know it started as all things do on on rounds. It was a question that I didn't have a great answer for. Um, you know, what was the ideal care? I think that my first large multi-center study that I did was with the double AST, was looking at retaining the thorax. You know, it's a challenge. You put a chest tube in. There's still little blood left in the chest. We know that that's potentially a culture medium for empyema, but, we, you know, I think there was some older literature that kind of grossly underestimated those rates. And, and we now have some new tools on the scene in the form of VATs that we could utilize to adequately evacuate that and mitigate the problem. But that, you know, that's another surgery that we have to suggest the patient to. So there's a risk-benefit assessment there as well. So. You know, we, we started with, uh, I think most of the multicenters I've done, I've started with a little retrospective local exploration. What's been our local experience? And then taking that to a multicenter, uh, retrospective. Uh, and then this one progressed nicely to a, ultimately a double AST prospective study where we were able to look at some of those questions, uh, relative to the optimal management of retained hemothorax. Um, And it was a topic that enough people at different institutions that also had similar questions about that said, you know, this is something that's reasonable to look at, and uh, we'd we'd like to participate. So um, that's kind of how I got started. It was just a simple matter of I put a chest tube in, and there's some blood left in there. What do I do? And it came simply from a question that was, you know, clinically in front of me. Yeah.
0: And as someone who reviews multi-center trial proposals, what qualities do you look for in a research project that makes it a good candidate for a multi-center study?
1: Well, I I think some clarity uh, is is key. You know, coming in, you can have certainly have secondary questions and examination points. And and I actually encourage people, if you're going to go through the effort to collect data uh, on a specific entity, make sure you collect the things that you need up front and, and take a lot of time in the planning aspect um, to collect that information, uh, but have it centered around a specific question now you can have secondary objectives, and I actually encourage people to do that because I think a good data set on an entity that no one center can collect a lot of information on should be able to expand our knowledge about that entity um, on multiple levels so there 's typically several papers in there um, if you if you do it right. Um, and I, I think you, but you need to start with a, a question. And it's usually clinically based and it's, it usually comes from someone's own experience with something that they faced before on rounds or they've seen someone else face that they've been interested in and there's just not a lot of literature out there on. It.
0: Well, and speaking of data, um, how do you actually ensure the accuracy of the data and thereby, you know, retain the integrity of the study when you're getting data from multiple locations entered by all different types of people?
1: That can be a challenge. I think you need to put a lot of work in on the front end with a a good data dictionary, one, to really define so that when you're all talking about, for example, renal failure, uh, you're all utilizing the same definition, uh, and you're all utilizing the same criteria to define the endpoints that you're looking at. Um, You need to – I think it – Certainly some of these studies lend themselves to having some subjective elements that are collected in the data, and, and those are shortcomings and limitations that need to be well advertised. But as much as possible, make it clean-cut, objective outcomes that are that are easy to find um, within the data and and are, are not, um, you know, debatable in terms of their interpretations, a black or white variable, not a gray one. And I think if you have people, if you surround yourself with good people and you get good people involved with that, uh, you know, quality control is always an issue when you're dealing with multiple different centers. But if you do some work on the front end and you try to make it as foolproof as possible, um, then, you know, you'll have good results, I think. There's always going to be limitations, but I think that's the case.
0: All right. So let's say I'm rounding tomorrow in the ICU, I I come up with an idea that I think is perfect for a strong, multi-center trial, what do I do next? What should be my first step?
1: Well, I I think the first step is is a good literature review. As with any research project or paper, you need to know the foundation of the literature that's out there. Um, and, And if you really look, if you scrutinize some of those larger papers on the issue, and there may not be a lot of larger papers. These may, in many instances, these are things where people have small series or even a case report on something. Um, although some of them may have had someone who's done some some work, significant work in that area, just not asked the specific question you're asking. But if you read those publications, you can look at the end. They always, I, I find that a, a well-written manuscript always has what's the next step? What are the other questions? What are the other things we need to consider? And in many instances, they have set the stage for you. So we need to do this. We need to do that. This is the next step. And and maybe that next step didn't get followed out by that particular group, but you can utilize that information. So you start with that foundation of a good literature review, and then I always think it's best to start local and look at your own experience. What has been your own experience? What data can I collect locally? And if if it is a rare entity or something that you can't really make a a useful statement upon based upon the literature or the data that you have in hand in your own institution, reach out to some compatriots uh, locally or utilize some of the networks we've developed with the East, uh, you know, people you've met at East, people you've met at AAST, people, other people. Even in the papers of the literature research that you've done that have done some limited work on these things, get those people together and start a conversation and maybe start off with a retrospective multicenter examination. And you can do that either locally and formally through those contacts, or you can use a framework such as we've really worked hard to establish with uh, the East Multicenter Trials Group and ultimately if 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 there'll remain unanswered questions from the retrospective study or things that there's always things in retrospective examinations you just can't quite get to, and it really is better study with prospective design and it, and I think it, we always we all recognize that that's a better way to look at things, but you really want to have that question refined well by the time you get to that stage. so it starts by knowing the foundation of the literature, local examination multi-center retrospective, and I think the, the, the ultimate is the prospect of observational or even randomized if it's a question that can be uh, neatly examined in that fashion.
0: And since you touched on it, could you expand a little bit more? Or tell us a little bit more about the framework that you mentioned that the East multi Group has in place.
1: Well, you know, we've – EAST has long had a uh, history of doing some good multicenter study work. And I think in the last couple of years, and I, I don't take complete credit for this as the chair, I, really we have a fantastic group of individuals who are helping out with the multicenter trials. I, my predecessor was a fantastic leader and visionary in this regard. Uh but we've, we've expanded our, uh, some of our resources that we have available. If you look on the East website, there's now some basic shelves and information there, uh, and, and some people to reach out to for mentorship as you're starting to develop these kind of projects. And we really had an exciting new collaboration developed in the last two years with the American Association for Surgery and Trauma, or AAST, who really developed this cool online data collection portal system. Uh, you know, and a lot of, one of the logistical challenges with doing these multi-center studies traditionally has been how do we get the data to one place? You know, there's data sharing agreements and there's, uh, do you send it in Excel spreadsheet? Do you use red caps? If you, you, know, that's another wonderful resource that's out there and available. Uh, but the AAST data collection portal, uh, which is housed uh, at the AAST through a, a memorandum of understanding with EAST and is available to EAST members, uh, is really a very nice, tool, and, and what they do is they sit down with your study, the people in Infotech that they've contracted with, sit down with your study and develop a data collection portal that really meets your needs, the needs of the investigator specific to that study, and it's really, I, I've used it several times, I know others who have, it's really a great resource. There are certainly other ways to skin that cat. Um, you can do, uh, transfer the information by de-identified uh, password-protected Excel, and you can use RedCap. But, you know, all of those things we can work through with EAST. Um, and the other thing is just kind of the local support in terms of he- helping people hit their timeline. So much of a doing a good study is establishing a realistic timeline and ho- and, and keeping the lines of communication open because there are always things that come up when you're doing these multi-center studies And and a problem that they find at one institution needs to be communicated to all of them well so that you can really work as a cohesive unit. And EAST, I think we're working – we've been very aggressive in trying to help facilitate that in the last several years.
0: That sounds great. And then, you know, one thing I will ask is, you know, one criticism I have heard against participation in multicenter trials is that it's, quote, unquote, a lot of work without a lot of credit to show for it at the end. What are your thoughts about that, or what is your response to that criticism?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that is uh, – you certainly have to define what you what you define as, you know, what's your reward for getting out of it. I think everyone should get certainly credit on their CV for that. And and I salute uh, the Journal of Trauma and uh, PubMed and most of the other peer-reviewed journals. You know, they only give us so many lines on that top header to put on the, the front page of the manuscript. Right. But what they have done recently and has really evolved as a, um, a, a common practice is so, for example, if I do a study on um, the open abdomen, which I've done before, everybody, you list the first 10 authors on the top of the manuscript or however many the journal will have, and then the rest you list under the East Multi Center Open Abdomen Study Group. You put that on the front page when you submit to Journal of Trauma, for example, who's been fantastic about this. Uh, and they link it in PubMed so that when I search your name, it comes up. And and it may not be on this first 10, but if you click on additional authors, sure enough, your name will be there. So it is, uh, you know, something you can link to your CV and take credit for as a co-author. Um, now, how people establish their lead authorship, we do have AAST and ETH have publicized rules, and a lot of those revolve around the number of patients you can contribute. So. If you're interested in doing multi-center studies, um, you know, you can look and see, do I have a lot of these patients? But I would not discourage people from, uh, you know, some of our, some of my experiences have been that the best uh, data has come from some of the smaller level ones and level two centers. And it just comes from somebody who's interested. Uh, And if you look at some of the multi-center studies I've done, Uh, If you look in those first ten authors, more often than not, it's from smaller institutions that you wouldn't think about, uh, you know, necessarily as being one of the big places that would participate multi multicenter. And it's because people really were passionate about it and really did a good job of collecting the data and collecting those numbers.
0: So when authorship is decided upon, is it literally restricted restricted to the number of patients that people enroll?
1: Uh, It's not. That's not always the case. Um, Certainly, if it's your idea, so if I propose to say, if I develop an East multicenter study and I'm the primary investigator, certainly myself and several of my colleagues from my local institution will be the first several authors, typically. Under the East, the published East rules for multicenter studies, and AAST has almost exactly the same rules, most of it revolves around the number of patients that have contributed. However, you know, with a lot of these studies, what I have done to uh, personally, and I've seen other people do, is that especially when you have studies that have a primary objective that they want to answer, but they have maybe two or three secondary objectives, you rotate through the author. So we divide, you know, at, you know, a priori. Well, listen, here, we're going to answer the, the, the lead PI group will be this for the first paper, and then this group from, say, Indiana will take on the secondary objective and the analysis that's related to that, and then they will be the first authors for that paper. So, you know, establishing that ahead of time is, I think, a very useful thing. And if you get people invested in that and answering the specific questions from the study, it gives everybody a project and really creates a kind of a team collaborative environment where everybody feels like they were really in the kitchen cooking on this thing.
0: Are there any negatives or downsides that you can think of about participating in a multi-center trial?
1: Well, I, I obviously I'm a little bit of a, a multi-center zealot. <laughs> I, I really enjoy and it's because I enjoy it. It really is. I, I enjoy the collaboration of it. I enjoy the people I've gotten to meet with it. And what you often see is that somebody will sign on to help out with the data from the project you're creating, right? And then they see that project go to a um presentation, they say, go to manuscript, and they say, hey, I can do this. So then they use, even though they only gave 10 patients to a study with 500, then they now feel empowered uh, and with the right connections, and they see how the process works. So they're putting their toe in the water, so to speak, with helping out with the first study. And then they develop their own project. And it allows them to kind of have some insight into how the process works and feel comfortable with it so that they can press forward and answer their own questions so i I think that's the best part about it i I do think there certainly are limitations you You can feel um like well i I'm from a smaller center I want to participate in research i'm young I'm from a smaller center I don't have a lot of monetary support i don't I, this is something I'd have to do after hours it's a little It's a little bit of work over really an already busy schedule um, and those can be certainly detriments. You have to balance your involvement in research with other aspects of your life uh, so and that's very important. But I think there's a lot of rewards to doing that. You give a little bit of work for somebody else's study, and then when it comes time that you have a question you want to answer and you develop your own project, you're going to get that work back from all the others that, uh, that you helped. So I think it's that. And, you know, the exciting thing to me is that collaborative environment is so unique to trauma. I'm doing a vascular fellowship now, and I'm in uh, Houston, which is very much still a cardiac and vascular world. And getting those communities to collaborate uh, on these, some of these multi-center examinations it has been a real challenge because the culture is not really wired that way. Um, I just find that the trauma and critical care community is really a collaborative community and one that's full of a lot of, you know, younger surgeons with great questions and a desire to have them answered. So I get a little excited when I talk about multi-center stuff. <laughs> Because um, it's what I'm passionate about. Because I think it affords so many opportunities to people. Um, and I would encourage anybody, you know, if if you don't know if it's for you, stick your toe in the water. Look at the East Multi site and see if any of the topics that are up there. We now have 12 presently studies and several more under uh, development. The work is non-intensive for for the vast majority of them. Um, stick your toe in the water for when this topic interest you. See if it's for you. If it's not, then hey. That you've learned that experience, but if you get comfortable with the process and you're the, uh, of an inquiring mind and want to answer some of these questions and, and all the things that come with it, the career advancement pieces, the pieces to fill your CV, the the research element if you're a level two center that may need to be required, those are nice, the multi-center studies are a nice way to do that. Um, all those things may come in time, but stick your toe in the water. See what you think.
0: Well, in taking the 30,000-foot view, what is the main message or piece of advice that you would like to give our listeners today who are considering becoming involved or initiating a multi-center trial?
1: Well, again, I think there's, there's so many challenges that face us on a day-to-day basis in what we do. And there's so many uh, elements of care that really need to be explored more cohesively. And, and I think it's very challenging when you're working in an institution to look over the horizon and see what is, I know what I do here, I know what I was taught, and I know what my partners do, and I know what their experiences are. But what's the what's the larger experience? And is there something we can gather from that larger experience to employ here, or someone else can employ at their institution to improve outcomes on a process? Um, You get a lot of reward from doing that. You get you make tremendous friends, and um, you know you really invest yourself in the community when you get involved in these multi-center trials. And you know, people get a lot of, have a lot of pride in them. I just think it's a great experience and I would encourage everybody to, you know, put your toe in the water. Look at the East Multicenter uh, website and look at the studies we have available. If you're not interested in any of those or, or let's say that you're a young investigator and you've done a local project that maybe got accepted at a regional meeting because you didn't have a lot of numbers and it didn't make the, the you know, the East um, plenary. Well, you know, it's probably a good question and it, it deserves to be answered, and there are other ways that you can reach out to other institutions to build bigger numbers and really say something meaningful about things that you're interested in. So that's that's my two cents, and I hope that everyone will look at the EAST website and, and the studies that we do have available and the opportunities we have available.
0: Well, on behalf of the EAST Career Development section, I would like to thank you, Dr. Debose, for your enthusiasm and for taking time to speak with us today. I am Jamie Coleman, and I hope you enjoyed the program. When you find a moment of time, please visit the EAST website at www.east.org for more EAST career casts and other valuable information. Well, thanks so much, Joe. This was this was awesome. I really well, appreciate I hope, it.
1: Oh, anytime. time. I hope I wasn't too enthusiastic. I really No,
0: did. it was great. No, I agree with you I mean I think that this is the future really you know of a lot of research in trauma is like you said you know instead of having silos we're really kind of trying to come together and collaborate and figure out really what's best for the patient
1: yeah you know it drives one of the things in the vascular literature that drives me nuts is that they you know they write their five-year experience and their 10-year experience and their 15-year experience and okay it's true <laughs> You know, that's from one institution and then the right. institution here in Houston down the streets doing the same thing. When you know, they could put their numbers together like we do in trauma and really do something neat. But um and it's you know, it's a it's a way in for a lot of young, hungry investigators. And uh, I love talking people wait email me and talk about that. And I'm not a I'm a young guy myself. It's just I happen to find this niche and, and really am really? passionate about it and I've certainly learned <laughs> Through doing what not to do sometimes, um, but I, it's it's just fun to get people involved because seeing, seeing somebody who, who came with an idea and then gets to the podium or a manuscript or and then get you know suddenly you're giving grand rounds on this topic and people say well you know somebody asked me hey do you know anybody who knows something about this oh yeah you talk to Jamie in Indiana she that's her that's her forte
0: right you
1: know this, these are how you build uh, kind of names in little areas and we can't all know everything. Right. And we all have our own little interests, which are all equally important. So I think it's fun to help people explore their interests.
0: And I think, too, you know, just it's neat to have that ability to say, you know what, we're really changing the standard of care. So that no matter whether you're injured in California, Texas, or New York, you're going to get what's right for you. You know, That's that open. we're not we're not going to rely on just local practice patterns anymore. We're really pushing the envelope to figure out what's the best for each patient regardless of local practice
1: patterns absolutely absolutely you got to look outside your own walls to really you know look at because you know some of this particularly the ivory towers you know it, right. it's not it, not ivory towers have a lot of toys usually to play with they have a lot of money and they have a lot of bodies and resources but what happens when you get injured and go to a, A smaller level one or a level two that doesn't have those resources. And you never capture that if you're only reading in the textbook about what to do in the ivory tower.
0: And I think this is another great example of EAST, you know, really pulling together university and community-based hospitals, which you touched um, upon in your interview, which I thought was great. It's like, hey, listen, you don't have to be in an ivory tower to contribute to this. I mean, we this affects everybody in every community,
1: Absolutely. Every part of the country and, um, you know, increasingly, especially as the ACS verification, a lot a lot more trauma centers getting verified these days. Absolutely. Like people are learning how to make money in the hospital system. <laughs> so they want to be a, a system, but as a young trauma director, and let's face it, a lot of people come out of fellowship, they go to level twos, or yep. and they're suddenly a trauma director. And they look at that criteria like research, uh, what am I going to do with that, um, you know, Join a multi-center. It doesn't take that much time, and you can typically get one research person to help you with some of those studies that you're interested in that are not as intensive, and it's a great resource.
0: Well, this is awesome. Thank you again. I really appreciate it. No, and thank you.
1: Thank you thanks for, doing for participating This this, was, uh, this is a very important part of what we do for East, and I want to thank you personally for you know all the hard work you're putting into this because this is oh, I, I would say one of our signature products is a is as an association. So thank you.
0: Oh, of course. No, it's been it's been a blast, honestly. You know, to be able to have again, to me, it just goes back to East. I mean, it's you know, I'm a young person. I'm able to get on the phone and have these conversations with guys that. Um, I wouldn't normally interact with you know within my own walls so yeah I know it's it's been great I'm I'm just glad I've been given the opportunity to participate
1: absolutely